0: Stories of Hope and
1: Light. I keep encouraging people to have uh, faith, hope, and love.
0: Hope is what gets us through these dark days. Say go, scan and go. I'm Ginny Doctor. Welcome to the final episode of Stories of Hope and Light. This week, producer Lisa Berry talks with the Reverend Norman Mead. Norman is a non-stipendiary Indigenous minister in Manitoba. Father, Norm brings hope and light to many in his chosen life of service.
2: Hi Norman, welcome to Sacred Teachings. I know that you work as a non-stipendiary minister and um, I just want to ask you, what does that mean for people that don't know what that means?
1: Well, you know, um, good question. A lot of people don't understand what uh, stipend really means. Well, I take it as stipend, meaning just we help you or a way of helping out uh, with some resources to uh, allow you to keep uh, doing the services that you do. Uh, that, that'd be funerals, uh, visiting church, um, uh, visits to hospitals and kind other of ministry that we, that we do as uh, unstipend services
2: so you do not receive any stipend for what you do. What motivates you to continue this ministry?
1: Long ago, when I was a child growing up in Magatagan, where I grew up as a, an Indigenous boy, a Métis, but I didn't know what Métis was back then, I was always had an urge, an interest, to serve people in some way. I wanted to be a servant. Later in my life, I became a, a civil servant for 26 years in the government and I got paid for my work. And so, but I, I wanted to keep serving uh, in whatever it was that I, my heart was drawing me to, whatever my calling was, you might say. Um, and that's going back to when I was a, a, a young boy. Uh, and that seemed to me, it was to go and help people in bringing some kind of a ministry uh, to uh, people. It uh, took me into weekends and Sometimes evenings and sometimes hospital visits, and before COVID, of course, and all this, it, it was—it's uh, something that's rooted in my heart. I, I guess I would where uh, it really it stems from.
2: So, what what keeps you going now, especially in the COVID times? It, it's so challenging across the board. Are you able to keep working in any kind of ministry capacity?
1: Well, um, I, I'm an elder. Uh, I, I work. Uh, as an elder at the University of Manitoba part-time. And it overlaps uh, with doing my my work as a, as a minister, uh, as a pastor. Uh, there, some of the overlap doesn't always overlap like in a good way. Some of it, uh, if you're an elder, they ask if you, um, you know, how can you do both? Uh, what's the difference between the two? Well, I say there is really um, very little difference between the two. Um, like we have church elders, we talk about in scriptures. Uh, I, as an elder at the University of Manitoba, part time, I do very similar work with the university and what I do there, uh, in helping students and staff uh, with spiritual things, and uh, and uh, I it's a service that I enjoy doing, and I, I just I just keep keep doing it, and uh, you know uh, we have COVID of course, but. I, I haven't been going to work at the university, uh, like I've been doing my work from home, uh, the same as everyone else, uh, uh, you know, in Zoom meetings and, uh, and in, a technical, in a technical way, like we're doing here. But uh, yeah, it, it keeps me uh, going, keeps my mind active, keeps, keeps me active, and it keeps, uh, I keep providing a service that I think is needed uh, in, our, in our community, especially in the indigenous community. And uh, that's where I, I do most of my ministry, but not all of it. I also work with other groups of people, too.
2: I know that for a lot of Indigenous people, the church represents something very negative, especially around residential schools. Is there any kind of pushback that you ever experience? Saying if you're part of that, we, we don't want to hear from you? Or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever get any negativity around the church aspect?
1: Yeah, all the time. Uh, I work with a lot of um, traditional people that are not church people, That they work, they, they serve in, the, in, in a traditional way. They, they run sweats and, uh, you know, lodges, uh, traditional uh, in- lodges and, and so on. And I work with them because I sit in the same circles with them often. And yeah, I get a lot of, uh, I get back from uh, uh, people that uh, uh, do not want or kind of blame the church for what has happened over the years. And uh, sometimes it's a little hard to 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 take, but I have found a way. Uh, a lot of them became become good friends uh, after a while. I mean, I got a lot of good friends that are traditional teachers, and I have lots of good friends who are pastors in the church. And so, it uh, it's sometimes a little difficult. I say there there's there's many many similarities uh, between uh, their work and our work in the church, and so I, I just had a, an elder. Um, Say to me the other day. Uh, he said it in a meeting. He didn't say it to me directly, but he said, "I just want to say that I really appreciate Norman's uh, being here with us in our circle because uh, uh, we also need to hear uh, from the Christian side of things, uh, the church side, uh, as uh, as well as our traditional side of, of things." And so he said, "I want to just uh, sh- let him know that I respect his work that he does. How he does it, I'm not sure, but he said he does it, and he does it in a good way." So I, I thought that was really. He's a well-known elder in our area here, so uh, I was very, very touched by that.
2: I can imagine what a moment that must have been. Norman, with everything that's going on in this country and the world right now, do you feel hopeful that things can change?
1: Yeah, I'm always hopeful. Of course, uh, my faith, hope, and love that I try to—kind of the principles of my teachings— I always uh, like to think that there is hope for that things will improve. Um, We have many hurdles, of course, that uh, are before us, and we have to work through them. Uh, Hoops that we say we have to jump through those hoops uh, every day we do it. The place where I think it'll all kind of help if if we can do it is in the workplace. We know that uh, the workplace is a place where lots of people spend a lot of their lives, a big portion of their lives, their daily life is spent at work earning an income. And I see if we can help people in the workplace, uh, the different uh, uh, places like health and protective services and uh, politicians and you uh, works in the public uh, view or I, that, that we, uh, if we can, if we can help them to understand uh, the dealing with racism, that um, it's a big, it's a big piece of, of what of the problem that we, we, we have in front of us.
2: I find that right now people are really, a lot of people are really struggling with what is a pretty dark, seems to be a pretty dark time. I mean, we've got vaccines coming, but they're not here. And many of us have been shut down for a long time. And some people have become quite hopeless. Where do you, how do you um, inspire people or encourage people with hope and light when in a time of such darkness?
1: I keep encouraging people to have uh, faith, hope, and love. Uh, and uh, let's not forget that love is the, the main one, right? Uh, love is the greatest of those. And if you have the other two that go with it, faith and hope, um, of course, that's what, you know, Christmas, for example, can, can let's go and light up somebody else's world. I I listened to a rabbi speaking the other day, a Rabbi Rose, his name is. He's also connected to the university. And uh, he was talking about the festival of lights uh, you know uh, hanukkah and I, I said well that's, that sounds very similar to what what we have I mean we like like to go and light up our trees and our our houses and and so on too and candles and so let's go and light up somebody else's world at this time it'll help us get over this covid uh, uh, experience that we're all going through and wonder where it's all going to end up you know and uh, it's uh, it's hard, uh, uh, difficult sometimes, but it's messages that I've been bringing to our people and our area.
2: Is there is there anything, Norman, that you wanted to talk about, about your work or about uh, life right now where you are that I didn't ask you about?
1: For me, uh, like 2020 was a really difficult year for me. Difficult not only in the sense that uh, we uh, have COVID uh, that came upon us there uh, early into the into 2020, like January, February, March, and then uh, where the first wave kind of came, and then of course uh, we got a little break, and the second wave came, and maybe even the third wave that we're going to feel yet. And um, and in that time, uh, I lost my my wife of 53 years. Uh, she passed away suddenly, and uh, it really um, it really dampened my spirit uh, for a while. Um, and it, it still does, but I, I know I have to go on because, uh, uh, you know, in a dream that I had in 1996, uh, I had a dream that uh, kind of sent the dream. Uh, the angel that spoke to me in the dream uh, um, took me through this whole line of caskets piled up on each side of a, what looked like a tunnel. But then I asked about, what about those people in those caskets? Uh, like, what do we need to, what's going to happen to them? And uh, and uh, the angel or the person leading me through this uh, tunnel to the light on the other end said not to worry about those ones because they will be care of. The dead will be taken care of. Uh, and the angel or the person leading me said, uh, um, be more concerned about the living. They're the ones that need to hear the message. They're the ones that we are, that we need to concentrate on. And so, I mean, this COVID stuff that we're experiencing now all seems like it's, it was connected somehow to my my dream of, of uh, in 1996, that uh, my dream was so vivid and so clear that I was supposed to go on and tell people uh, about, uh, you know, the people that I work with now, the uh, whether it's at the university or whether it's back home in my community, uh, about about life, and uh, and about light at the end of the tunnel, kind of thing. You know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, we know that uh, we're always, of course, hoping that uh, this uh, this uh, virus will be will be some will be somewhat protected by it. Uh, you know, by the uh, the vaccination. Uh, whenever we're fully on stream, and uh, but we have hope that it's going to come right and. Uh, we have to listen. Uh, I know we had to close our services back home. When I was asked what we were going to do, I mean, it's a small group, but I said, well, we have to listen to the authorities. I mean, when they speak uh, in the scriptures, it talks about listening to those that govern. It talks about listening to the, you know, the, the people that are that are in healthcare, uh, nurses, doctors, scientists and so on. And we have to listen to them and uh, we have to follow what the the advice that they're giving us and uh, and keep praying and, and keep having strong faith that this is eventually going to going to go away. Uh, I also remind them that uh, you know as indigenous people uh, you know we came through uh, some um, uh, so, some other viruses uh, some other uh, pandemics that were as strong or or stronger than than what we're going through today and uh, you know when we think of uh, uh, some of those, uh, they went, they went by, and we found vaccinations for them, uh, some of them, and 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 then we we have to have uh, hope, and and of course faith.
2: Thank you so much, Norman, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, it's, it must have been a very, very very tough year for you.
1: Yeah, it was. Here's my wife. Uh, I'll put her up here for you to meet her. This was my wife for 53 and a half years and uh, suddenly she's she's gone just in a a day.
2: She's a beautiful woman.
1: Yeah, she was a beautiful woman and a strong woman. And uh, she was uh, the youngest of uh, 18 children in her family. Uh, She was the chief's uh, daughter. Her her dad was chief for 40 years on the reserve back home. And uh, she uh, uh, she was a wonderful woman that helped many people. And when I keep her close to my heart in that picture, she uh, touches me on the shoulder every once in a while and says, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, that's what I want you to do. And that's why I keep doing it.
2: Thank you, Norman, and God bless you.
0: Now, we have Father Norman, Lisa, for sharing your story of hope and light. It is so important to hear good things in this time of pandemic when all seems so dark and gloomy and we are so blessed to have many who serve our remote communities with love hope and faith but with little or no cash payment it is part of our tradition as indigenous people our spiritual leaders were not paid in cash their spiritual leadership is a gift from the creator and gifts need to be freely shared with all however what i have seen as an expression of appreciation is the giving of moose caribou, fish, berries, and other traditional foods of the land. In my tradition, it is customary to give tobacco and cloth to the spiritual speaker. When I helped do my uncle's funeral, I was given both, and I cherished them more than I would anything else, as it was quite an honor to be recognized as a spiritual leader. I know and have known many non-stipendiary clergy and I have never heard them complain about not being paid. It is their calling and an honor to serve. However, we also know it is a matter of injustice. We are trying to find ways to provide modest stipends to at least cover the cost of transportation as many serve more than one community. Also, assistance to support living expenses is needed as goods and materials are much more costly in the North than in the South. One of my traditional teachings is, we have to take care of each other. The care we give comes back to us when we need care. But it's not the reason we give. It's more about Kunalungkwa, or living in the love that surrounds us and is in us. Sounds like a simple thing but it's an action that brings hope and light, especially in this pandemic. When I lived in Alaska, someone brought me a box or basket of goodies every holiday. I never knew who it was. It was their way of thanking me, and they did not need things. One Easter, my hard-boiled eggs froze before I discovered the basket. When I think of non-stipendiary clergy I have known, both past and present, I see and feel love. I hear their wisdom, teachings, and stories of living on the land. The values of living a good life help them make it through many adversities. Strong people and a strong land given to them by the Creator. We are taught, and as Father Norman said, that love is the most important. It is love that brings us hope and light. Tonight we will be able to see the Christmas star or the aligning of Jupiter and Saturn. Look to the sky, see the star, and remember that there is light shining in our communities. Take love into your heart and see what good you can do with it. We can make it through. This is our final podcast of 2020. We will return on January 25th with an eight-part series on the pandemic of suicide in Indigenous communities. Merry Christmas and let's have a healthy, happy new year and wear your mask. Take care. Ona.